Good morning, everyone. It is such a blessing to be able to be here together and to uh, sing these beautiful hymns and to hear the scriptures read and go up to uh, offer our prayers up to God and together and know that he hears us and that he answers our prayers and great blessing for us to be able to be here together today. When I was a student in college, I got a job delivering janitorial supplies to the various dormitories in the university system. There were a lot of them. There were, I think, I think 15 at the time. And uh, my boss was a friendly, likable man, and we got along very well until I realized that you couldn't believe anything he said. <laughs> he was perhaps the most untruthful man I ever met in my life. He had been telling us that uh, his daughter was about to have a baby, and so he came back after the weekend, and he said, well, my, my daughter had a, a son. I've got a grandson. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And later I mentioned something to two. There were two older ladies who worked in the warehouse that we operated out of, and I said, isn't that great about Mr. Cook's grandson? And one of them said, grandson? He doesn't have a grandson. He has a daughter, granddaughter. And I thought, who lies about the gender of their <laughs> grandchild? But I, that's when I began to realize he lied about nearly everything. I, I do believe that if you were to ask him the time of day, he would lie just to see if he could get away with it. He was a compulsive liar. He just lied over and over, and he lied about all kinds of things. And it didn't surprise me several years later that I found out that he ended up in prison because he had five people on the payroll uh, and he was defrauding the state because he had these folks on the payroll. They didn't even work there. And they would come pick up their checks and then split them with him. Uh, but he was a thoroughly, thoroughly untrustworthy man, untruthful man all the way. The worst thing about him was he claimed to be a devout Christian. He boasted about it. He'd tell you about where he went to church. And he bragged about being in the church all of his life and all of his family and all the generations that had been in the church. And found myself wondering if he lied about that too. And I say that's the worst thing about him because Christians are called on to be truthful people. We're going to see next week a principle that I want you to remember. Not everything that's true needs to be said, but everything we say needs to be true. Not everything that's true has to be said, but everything that's said has to be true. That's the standard to which God calls us in his word. We are always to speak the truth. And here's why. First of all, because truthfulness reflects the character of God. We cannot be untruthful and be like God. We can't be anything like God if we are untruthful because his nature is, is that of truth. And if we're not truthful people, then we are the opposite of his nature. Proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6 says this, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Every word of God proves true. That cannot be said of anybody else in the universe. That every word of God proves true. And that if we 
alter his words in any way, therefore, then we have found ourselves, we are found ourselves to be a liar. Even with the best of intentions, we may say something not true because we have the wrong information. We may say something that we uh, thought was true but isn't true. We may state something as truth that's really only our opinion, and, and it turns out not to be true. But with God, every word proves true. And we're supposed to be like him, so it is essential that we be truthful too, always and without exception. Now, there's another side to this. Not only is God himself truthful, he hates everything that's false. The prophet Zechariah wrote this in Zechariah 8, verses 16 and 17. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Isn't that interesting that a prophet of God is giving a list of things that, that God's people are to do. And the first thing he says is speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. I want you to notice a connection there in those verses. First of all, he says, speak the truth to one another and don't devise evil in your hearts against one another. When we don't tell the truth, when we're not truthful people then we're injuring one another, and God hates it. He doesn't just dislike it, he hates it. And we need to know that. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19, says this, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Did you notice that two out of those seven things had to do with lying? God hates that lying tongue. God hates a false witness who breathes out lies because by so doing, what happens? You sow discord among brothers. That's a very serious offense in God's sight. A very serious offense. Here's how to avoid doing it. The way that you avoid doing it is, first of all, be careful not only what you say to other people, but what you say about other people. Because you may be saying something that you think is true. You may think you know it to be true, but it still may be false. That's what makes it so important to follow the teachings of Jesus in Matthew 18, verses 15 to 18, when he said this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he doesn't take one or two others with you, if he won't listen to them, take some others with you. If he won't listen to them, tell it to the church. If he won't listen to the church... Then let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. But you start by going first to him. Can you imagine how many misunderstandings, how many rumors, how many falsehoods, 
how much divisiveness within the church could be avoided if we just practice that one rule that Jesus gave. If your brother sins, go to him. Don't go to somebody else. People who are untruthful cannot hope to have a relationship with a God of absolute truth. Jesus made it clear in John 8 and verse 44 when he told those who were opposing him that their father was not God. Their father was the devil. He said, you're of your father, the devil, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And then in verse 47, he says, therefore, they were not of God. You cannot be a liar and be of God. You cannot be a person who spreads falsehood about other people and be of God. You can't know God. It's impossible. You may think that you do. You may say that you do. But the truth is you do not. We can claim to know God and follow Jesus, but if we lie and versus telling the truth, then we don't know God either. So that's reason number one for telling the truth. Reason number two for being truthful people is because lying is characteristic of life without Christ, not of life with him. Lying is not characteristic of life with Christ. It is characteristic of a life that is without him. You know this as well as I do, but sadly in the world in which we're living now, Lying is just standard operating procedure, isn't it? It's just everywhere. People just lie. And, and we hardly know what to believe anymore about anything. People lie in business. People lie in government. People lie uh, on the Internet. People lie at work. People lie at home. You've been hearing a lot about the rise of artif artificial intelligence. You know, the truth is there's been a lot of artificial intelligence around for years. I won't say any more about that. But people are all worried about the rise of artificial intelligence. You know one of the primary reasons that they're worried about it is because it can be so easily used to deceive people and to cheat people. And trust me, folks, it will be. It will be used for all those purposes because there is a lying spirit in our society. There's a lying spirit uh, in the world that does not want to tell the truth but wants to spread falsehood. And the temptation for us as believers is to say this. Well, if, if that's the way the world is going to be, you better be like the world in order to defend yourself. If everybody's going to lie to you, then you better tell a few lies yourself. Otherwise, people are going to eat you alive. But that's not acceptable. That's not okay because we are not of the world. That is not kingdom thinking we are not permitted to stoop to the level of the world when it comes to telling the truth or to anything else for that matter. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, Paul was telling the Colossians things that cannot be a part of their lives in Christ anymore. There are just, just some things he said that have to go. There are some things you have to put into your life, and there are some things you have to get out of your life. And here's what he said. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We are being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. And if we're going to do that, then we've got to get rid of lying. We have to get rid of it. You know, sometimes when I read that, I think, did they have a lot of lying going on in the church in Colossae? Did they come to church and lie to one another? Did they meet each other at the back door and say, how are you? And somebody said, I'm fine, and they weren't. 
what, you know, what kind of lying was going on? I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what was happening, but lying was taking place. Lying always takes place in the human arena unless we are determined otherwise. And that's what we have to be determined about. We have to be determined that it will be otherwise among us. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4, 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, <clears throat> let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Why can't we lie to each other? Because we are members one of another. We're part of the same body. We're part of the same family. And we're not to be <clears throat> untruthful with one another. <clears throat> we are not, <clears throat> not to lie to one another. So truthfulness is essential. It's essential in the church it's a, because without it, we can't relate to one another in any meaningful way. What did Paul say in Ephesians 4.15? You heard it read just a moment ago. By speaking the truth in love, what happens? We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We speak the truth in love, and then we grow together, and we grow up, and we mature, and we become more and more like Christ. We grow up into the head who is Christ because we are the body. And notice we need both. We need truth-telling, and we need to do it in love. If you just tell the truth without love, that can be harsh. That can be destructive. But if you just have love, you say, and you don't tell the truth, then that's just sentimentality. It isn't really love. It's just sentimentality. So we have to speak the truth in love. Until Jesus comes, I'm sure that lying will be standard operating procedure in the world. And that makes it all the more important that truth-telling must be standard operating procedure in the kingdom. Thank you. Who's that for? <laughs> Most of you think that's water. <laughs> Here's the third reason why we have to be truth-tellers. Because truth-telling indicates spiritual strength. And lying indicates spiritual failure. Anytime a believer lies, it is spiritual failure. It's a dismal failure. It is a denial of the nature of God within us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. You know, there were so many people in Paul's day, just like there are now, going all around and, and presenting themselves as religious teachers and philosophers and so forth and telling all kinds of nonsense. And, and they would tell people what people wanted to hear instead of what they needed to hear. And they would tell them what they thought was right instead of what was right. And Paul says, we've renounced all of that. We won't do all of that. We just make an open statement of the truth. And the open statement of the truth was that Christ had died for their sins, that they were all sinners, and that Christ had died for their sins, and they all needed to repent and follow him. That's just the open statement of the truth. It still is, isn't it? Isn't that the same thing? Nobody nodded their head. Yes, that's still the same thing. 
It is still true today. We need an open statement of the truth. And notice that Paul says that anything that is not the truth is disgraceful and underhanded. It's a disgraceful, underhanded thing not to make an open statement of the truth. I'm sure you know this, but telling the truth can sometimes be risky because people don't want to hear it. I came across an old Slavic proverb a number of years ago that says this, tell the truth and then run. <laughs> tell the truth and then run. Paul knew what that was about. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16, he had been telling the Galatians, listen, you have fallen for a bill of goods. You have been deceived. You have been told that you need to save yourself by the keeping of the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow all the rules and regulations of the law. Instead of putting your trust in Christ and trusting in his blood to forgive you of your sins. And then he says this. He says, there was a time, you know, when I first came to you, he said, I had a bodily ailment. And it was offensive, but he said, you didn't take offense at me. He said, you took me in. He said, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me if you thought that would have helped. And then he asked this question. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? You know, we don't get the answer to that question, do we? We just get Paul's question. Paul's question. Had he become their enemy by telling them the truth? Probably, for some of them. Probably some of them never forgave Paul for telling the truth. People sometimes resent truth, so out of fear and weakness, we sometimes don't tell it. If you want to see the reality of spiritual failure reflected in being untruthful, just think about Peter when he denied knowing Jesus. His master and his Lord. He denied knowing Jesus. Why? Because he was afraid. There he was in the courtyard where Jesus was on trial for his life as an insurrectionist. And he's surrounded by people who don't know him and, and they don't know the truth about Jesus. And so when that young servant girl looks at him and says, I think you were one of them. I think I've seen you with him. He said, oh, no, I don't, I don't know him. And, and again, she said, no, I'm just sure you are. And somebody else said, but it's your accent betrays you. You, you speak like a Galilean. You, you're one of them. How would you like to be in a hostile crowd and be pointed out as one of them? And Peter said, no, no, I'm not one of them. And then a third time. Somebody said, surely you are one of his followers. And he swore with an oath, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. His worst moment of spiritual failure, when he said, I don't know Jesus. On the contrast to that, you have Jesus, who's standing before Pilate, on trial for his life, and Pilate says, so are you a king? And Jesus, who could have avoided the cross by saying, no. No, not, not the way you think, Pilate. Don't worry about me. Could have avoided the cross by saying, no, this is all a misunderstanding. This is all a, all a mistake. I'm just a religious teacher, and, you know, some folks have gotten the wrong idea, and 
that wouldn't have been the truth. And instead of doing that, Jesus spoke the truth. Denial could have spared him the cross, but he told the truth anyway. Anybody can tell the truth when it's easy. And anybody can tell the truth when it's safe. It takes strength of character to do so when it's neither. And for believers, it is not a matter of choice. And that brings us to a fourth reason why we must be truthful people. Because lying will cause us, in the end, to be condemned. Listen to me carefully. Lying will cause us to be condemned. The Bible is explicit about that. It's just that simple. Liars cannot live forever in the presence of the God of truth. A God who is absolutely truthful, all truth, will not tolerate in his presence those who lie. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, after saying to the thirsty, I will give him the spring of the water of life without payment, the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. What a great promise. What a great statement. But then he follows that with this. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death. All liars, he said, are going to end up in a lake of fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You see, death and life really are in the power of the tongue, as Proverbs 18.21 says. You have the power to confess your faith in Christ. You have the power to confess your sins and turn to Christ and live a truthful life as a truthful person following the God of truth, speaking the truth and only the truth in love to build up other believers and to honor the God who is truth. You have that within your power. You see, speaking the truth is more about just what you say it's about what you are it's about what you are and who you are and even beyond that it's about whose you are it says you either belong to the world and to Satan or you belong to God the God of truth I want to urge you today to decide that you belong to Christ and to live by the truth in every way. I want to urge you to confess the truth that Jesus is God's son and that you need him because you're a sinner. I want to urge you to turn away from sin and to be baptized into Jesus, to have those sins washed away, and then live your life telling the truth. Let's stand together and sing. Standing on the promise.